Weighing Machine was created to help you, the financial advisor or investor, reach your long-term financial goals. Each episode, your hosts, Rusty Vanneman and I, Robin Murray, cut through the market glamour to find the time-tested principles that help investors succeed. The Weighing Machine is inspired by the classic investing saying attributed to Benjamin Graham. The stock market is a voting machine in the short term and a weighing machine over the long run. In other words, emotion and expectations drive short-term market movement, but fundamentals and valuations determine returns over time. Welcome to The Weighing Machine. Enjoy, and as always, let us know what you think. On the podcast today, from enforcement to compliance to marketing, that's a direct career route, right? We will discuss the current state and the future of wealth management industry with a man who's worked closely with advisors for 20 years and had a lot of fun along the way. Our guest is Billy Oliverio, Executive Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at United Planners. Welcome to The Wang Machine. I'm Rusty Vanneman. And I'm Robin Murray. Okay, I do want to ask you about the markets, but first, I wanted to get your thoughts on President Biden's student loan announcement recently, because personally, I just got 10 grand knocked off my debt balance, but I do know there's concern about what it can do for inflation. So what's your thinking on its potential impact? Wow. Well, first of all, congrats on the lower debt. Yeah, pretty good news. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I think it's a pretty big news story, but as for the college loan forgiveness on inflation, I personally don't think it's not that big of a deal. I mean, when it comes to inflation, which is a big deal, the dominant factors out there still remain, and that is rising rents and wage pressures as well. You know, besides the market really is focusing more on monetary policy right now and the Federal Reserve and how it's trying to fight inflation rather than what fiscal policy is right now. I also think this news will probably make the midterm elections in early November a little more exciting. And speaking of exciting, we've had a lot of exciting and energetic guests (laughs) over the years on The Wang Machine, but this week's guest might be our most energetic yet. I'm excited (laughs) to have him on the show. Welcome, Billy. Hello, hello, hello. And I'm going to start with, in rust, we trust. (laughs) I like it. I used to actually have a bumper sticker on my wall that said that behind me. (laughs) I love it. Well, uh, in full disclosure, as I said earlier, I do like to think I'm a funny guy and self-proclaimed comedian. So even if I'm not funny, you are obligated to provide me some courtesy belly laughs or else we're all going to bomb this podcast. (laughs) Okay. All right. right. Got it. (laughs) Hit him up with the first question. That's the most important one. All right, Billy. So before we get started, I mean, this is going to be a fun interview anyway, but I like to think this first question is going to set the tone. And it is the all important question is, what is that walk up song we can hear in this background? All right. Well, I really love this opener. I gave it some thought, of course. And, you know, the funny side of me wanted to go with Billy, don't be a hero. Billy, don't lose my number. Billy in the Jets, even though I know it's <laughs> Benny in the Jets. But seriously, <laughs> I'm going to go with Lovely Day by Billy Withers, even though I know it's Bill Withers, but seriously, I'm selfishly putting my comical <laughs> editorial spin into the names yep. in light of my name, because you just got to keep the Y at the end of these names because it keeps it fun and young. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, Lovely Day is one of those feel good jams that I think is good for the soul. And I'm all about keeping the soul lovely every day. I like it. I do agree with you, but I need to put like a Y at the end of names. And I think Robin E would also agree. (laughs) (laughs) 
I've always said, look in the mirror. So when I look in the mirror and say, Bill, I don't look very happy. But when I say, Billy, I'm mm. smiling. Yeah. There you go. Party started. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Billy, you have an interesting background. But first, you're an ASU grad. And I don't know if you know this, but that's my alma mater, my undergrad alma mater. Look at you. Yeah. Go Sun Devils. Forks so, up, right? Go Sun Devils. That's right. Mm-hmm. But... Career-wise, so you have spent some time at a lot of big firms. You've got AIG, Charles Schwab on the list. Tell us more about your background and the journey to your position today. Sure, absolutely. Well, actually, I think Rusty mentioned 20 years. I'm actually 30 years in the business. I'm an old guy, man. So I've been in the business. You look so young. Oh, you know, moving and grooving, baby, moving and grooving. So, yeah, the 30-year journey. I've been a regulator. I've been a compliance guy, and now I'm a business guy. I describe these travels through the industry as a soldier of fortune of sorts. There's no job too big, no job too small. It's all about getting the job done. I've also described these travels through time in my career as a chief to chief to chief experience, meaning I've hopped from the chief investigator of enforcement to the chief compliance officer and yes, now the chief marketing officer, which, of course, at times I like to overlay the chief mischievous officer in there because I'm always goofing around. <laughs> I like to have some fun while getting the job done. And, you know, going way back, Rusty, there was an Orion newsletter way back in the day where I think I used the term the dynamic energizer bunny because I'm always bouncing around and covering a lot of ground. Mm, yeah, yeah, right. I like it. <laughs> So, okay, you've worn a lot of hats, but I know that you have an interesting investigative experience. Can you tell us more about that? Sure, absolutely. Well, even before I became a regulator, I was a private investigator where I did a lot of skip tracing, meaning hunting down people who don't want to be found, working undercover at companies for employer theft or employee theft scenarios, a lot of asset recovery work for the banks during the savings and loan scandals that blew up in the late 80s, early 90s. You know, that experience got me in the doors of the Arizona Corporation Commission Securities Division as an investigator, where I used to manage every aspect of white collar crime investigations, whether it was an administrative action, a civil action, or a criminal action. We went undercover, we wore wires. I've acted in the capacity as an investor. I've acted in the capacity of a boiler room operative dialing for dollars as a telemarketer fraudster. I've conducted surveillance, skip traced, conducted search warrants, asset seizures, testified in court with, of course, the lovely cross-examination. Those are always fun experiences, wow. but worked with all sorts of governmental agencies at every level across the country the FBI, the FTC, the FCC, the SEC, attorney generals, county attorneys, district attorneys, and the list goes on at the various levels of the different types of governments, whether it's the federal, the state, the county, the city. Now, you know, I'll pause here for a second and share one of these claimed fames because people say sometimes, tell me something that, you know, no one knows about you. And I figured I'd take nice. this opportunity to mm -hmm. share because you know, Rusty, I know this is a really widely listened to podcast, so I'm going to get this out. Yeah. There. This is going to be like a Breaking Bad story or something. 
<laughs> you know, I probably I should have so. told compliance and put the year for this disclosure <laughs> on this. Yeah. No, seriously, uh, one of my, so to speak, claim to fames is I didn't even know this until my uncle called me. I was on the evening news, the NBC evening news with Dan Rather, when they covered wow. a national crackdown story on boiler rooms across the country where we executed over 100 search warrants across the country in a simultaneous manner through an organization called the National White Collar Crime Center and NASA. Now, not NASA, the space station, NASA, the National Association of Securities Administrators Association. They love these big words. But anyways, it was a joint task force of all sorts of government agencies that came together. It was an amazing experience to see all the coordination the organization of Intel and the execution of these search warrants across the country, across 20 teams. It was really crazy. And anyways, as Dan Rather covered the story on NBC Evening News, they showed various video clips of the raids. And one of them was me in an FBI jacket, holding a phone, packing up documents in a box. (laughs) So that's what my uncle saw on national news and called me and said, what are you doing? Wow. <laughs> that sounds like, kind of like a, a Wolves of Wall Street sort of backdrop, but I guess you were basically mm. a sheep in wolves clothing and doing that job <laughs> at, there, right? At times, <laughs> yes. And, uh, and if you remember back in you know, yeah, the 90s, I think Boiler Room came out in the movies and there were some other yeah. shows about boiler rooms and investment fraud. And so, you know, it was quite the you know headline for wow. actually it is here and there at times, but, you know, so. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of thinking we should pivot on this whole podcast interview, but I guess getting back on track to what you're doing now. So, <laughs> so Billy, you started at United Planners in 2010 and now, of course, Executive Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at United Planners. Tell us more about United Planners and your role there. Well, we're on the advisor side of the business. Now, I know that sounds real basic, but for the general investing public that listens to these podcasts, they may not understand all of our industry terminology. So this is for the general investing public. We are financial advisors who help the everyday American build a financial plan for their retirement. And then we continue to work with them on their journey to get them where they need to go through various financial products and or services to achieve their retirement goals. So thanks for letting me get that off my chest. It makes me feel better. But for the uh, industry lingo, we're an independent contractor shop We're a dual registrant as a broker dealer and investment advisor. And I like to say we're mostly an investment advisor shop these days based on 70% of our revenue being generated by the investment advisory side of the house. We have about 20 billion in total assets. We're approaching 500 advisors across the country. I just like to use these round numbers. Sometimes they're easier to kind of grasp. We're based in Arizona. We're celebrating our 35th anniversary in the business with the same corporate structure. And yes, I say that because I'm emphasizing this stability and strength factor, which is the name of the game these days in all the constant consolidations we see going on in our industry. We're an open architecture shop that provides advisors a tremendous amount of flexibility and choice. And I'd be remiss to not mention our unique structure as a limited partnership that is 100% privately owned by our employees and advisors. No private equity. And as a matter of fact, 55% 
of the firm is owned by our producing advisors that qualify to be limited partners, which means they have a majority ownership, a true voice, and voting rights, and share in 55% of our firm's profits. And I'll close with our infamous tagline, we are adamantly not for sale. Wow, that's pretty cool. You know, companies that have that kind of ownership, you know, various studies have shown that they are the best performing companies typically in their respective industries. That's great. Cool. Well, tell us more about your role at United Planners. Well, so one thing I'll mention to that comment is the culture, you know, so we're not a big, big shop and there's a lot of tenure at the firm. And so we have and maintain a real rich culture of family-like relationships, which is important these days. Anyways, it just made me think of that as you made that comment. So back to my role at United Planners, I am uh, executive vice president, chief marketing officer, one of four general partners, which I commonly refer to as the fantastic four, like the superheroes. But I primarily oversee all the products and services for the firm with this, that, and the other, as they say. I've been with the firm for 12 years, so I know a lot of company history. I've been there and experienced its healthy growth curve. For example, when I started at United Planners in 2010, I ran the investment advisory business unit. And at that time, the firm's total revenue was around $60 million. We only had about $2 billion in investment advisory assets under management. And the investment advisory revenue only accounted for about 25% of the firm's revenue. So now you fast forward to today. Now we're pushing through the $14 billion investment advisory assets under management. And our investment advisory revenue now accounts for 70% of our firm's revenue. And total revenue last year was uh, about $177 million. So we've uh, experienced a pretty strong and steady growth curve over the past uh, decade. Nice. Very impressive. So let's look ahead now. So what's going on now at United Planners and what are some major initiatives and what's exciting in the works? Well, steady continued growth is what I'll stick with. Yep. We're very reasonable and prudent in our growth and business development efforts. We live within our means. We practice what we preach. We're experiencing another strong revenue year at the end of Q2. We were just over the 80 million marker, which is about a 5% increase year over year. So this is great news. But like most firms, we're also experiencing increased costs across the board, especially in the areas of technology, compliance, legal, human capital, and just overall inflation. Dare I use the term hyperinflation? But, you know, our partner development team, aka recruiting, they're doing a great job bringing in new advisors, especially given the ongoing trend of consolidations in our industry. You know, advisors are just tired of being bought and sold like a commodity or a widget, which is extremely disruptive to their practices as independent business owners that have a brand in their respective communities. And it's certainly not fair to the investors who are also along for the consolidation ride, who may get impacted by proprietary platforms, changes, fees, and costs. All right. So what does the future hold then for United Planners? Well, I'll start with strength, stability, and to proudly continue to fly our fiercely independent flag, remain free from private equity and consolidations, and to stay 100% privately owned by our employees and advisors. 
this fiercely independent DNA was built by design by our founding partners way back in 1987. And we are committed to keeping that spirit alive. However, I was just at an executive leadership forum and we had a lot of great discussions that I'd like to share you know, here in the podcast, some of the points, because it is something that ties to your question about the future. What does it hold? And we discussed this very question. What does the future hold? And I think this really applies to us, you know, in a macro sense to a lot of our firms. So here it goes. What does the future hold from a macro perspective? You know, after experiencing the infamous great resignation during the pandemic, a part of all of our future holds the great reinvention. Again, I'm doing the air quotes, great reinvention and the great retirement that we're all trying to figure out for our new groove, the new rhythm. What is it? Getting employees back into the office, hybrid work environments, becoming multi-state employers because of the explosion in remote working capabilities, which has increased the cost of human capital office space management, cybersecurity, talent acquisition, and talent retention, retirement of not just our key employees at the home office, but our advisors and their clients and the generational wealth transfer scenarios. I mean, there's a lot of components to this managing the age wave as we emerge from the pandemic because we can't forget about this age wave. And we got 10,000 baby boomers retiring every day and 5,000 are dying every day. I don't mean to sound morbid or gloom and doom, but those are the stats. So succession planning is also top of mind for us and our advisors. And, you know, in the end, you know, my buzzwords to navigate this future is about thriving and driving and moving and grooving. But I just wanted to share those, you know, kind of buzzwords of you know, that great resignation and how we're getting back into business with a great reinvention and also dealing with this age wave of the great retirement. It's something that all of us are trying to figure out as as the future is, you know, approaching. Yeah. I want to ask you more about that because as you said, you know, you, you work with so many advisors, you get to meet a lot of different people, different personalities, business owners. You really have a unique insight into the the wealth management industry. So we'd love to get your take on the current state and future of the industry. What are some of the trends that you're seeing from your vantage point? Well, there are a lot to talk about. <laughs> uh, we could be here all day, Rusty and Robin. It'll be like a all day R and R session. <laughs> all right, bring it on. <laughs> you know, I guess I'll talk about the age wave. You know, the business continuity planning, succession planning is a hot topic at United Planners. My fellow general partner and compatriot Sheila Kafari, she's an executive vice president, chief revenue officer, and general partner. She created years ago a program called Leaps. It's the acronym for Legacy. Exit Acquisition Planning Strategies, which is a brilliant program to help advisors get through this process. Next, outsourcing. I think that's a real important trend for all the right practice management reasons of efficiency, scalability, stability, which again, directly connects to this age wave. And we'll probably talk about that a little bit more, but you know, advisors are prepping for their own exit strategy in retirement or for the younger advisors on the growth curve 
that need operational efficiency and scalability and stability as they grow their practices and potentially buy and acquire practices of older exiting advisors. In either case, I see outsourcing as a trend and a key success driver for top producing advisors. And a tagline that I like to say is, you know, do what you do best and outsource the rest. Advisors need to spend more time on client components such as prospecting and onboarding, engagement, overall client experience, which is directly tied to revenue generating activities rather than the operational components that are more non-revenue generating. And finally, I think the infamous, you know, find your why and unique value proposition is a good you know, trend that I see with advisors and then mastering it because being all things to all people can be a drain on resources and throw you off balance and cause you to lose focus on your sweet spots. Or as my boss man says, Mike Baker, our current president and CEO, likes to say, a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Well, a couple more on this. And the first one is the positive side. So what is the industry doing well, do you think, at the moment? How has it improved in recent years? Well, I would start with financial education making resources readily available, and uh, third, reducing cost. Now, reducing cost is a dual-edged sword because everyone seems to think the financial industry is a charity and nonprofit environment (laughs) where we all work for free, and sometimes we forget that it takes money to make money, so to speak. But I do think the industry is doing well with financial education, making resources more readily available, and reducing costs. All right. So what about where you think the industry is headed from here? What are some of the things that we can be doing better? All right. We're going to go big with this one. Let's do it. So get ready, Rusty. (laughs) We're going to rock the rust. I like it. (laughs) Rock the rust. I like it. I should make that a motto on my house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, baby. Yeah. Got to bring back some of these nostalgic uh, phrases. Can't let those go bye-bye and bring them back. So we're going to rock the rust with regulations that's exciting it's a big one (laughs) it takes a village as i like to say but getting back to your question robin where's the industry going what could we do better regulations we as an industry should and could do better with our regulatory landscape i think it's time for the broker dealer regulations and the investment advisor regulations to fall under one super regulator that might be favored by some and not favored by others, but hear me out. My position and thought is to centralize and unify regulations, regardless if you earn a commission or a fee. I think Reg BI regulation best interest uh, is a step in that direction to drive best practices of doing what's in the best interest for the Investor as a common theme, regardless if you are a broker or an advisor. Dealing with all these regulations is extremely complicated, expensive, and super confusing, especially when your business overlaps various jurisdictions of FINRA, the SEC, the MSRB, and the DOL, which I like to refer to as the Department of Love. Mm. (laughs) You like that, Rusty? I do like that one. (laughs) 
in addition to all the various states, sometimes I think we are losing the forest through the trees. And some regulations are driven by a small percentage of bad actors in our industry. And we forget about all the good success stories that we do for our clients, the general investing public. We need to do a better job celebrating those wins. When I think about it, I think what we need is a really good PR guru to promote all the good and positive things we do as an industry for the general investing public. Mm. And I think that gets lost. Yeah. Great ideas. All right. Well, Bill, I don't know how you're doing on time, but we have so like a handful of questions we like to ask all our guests and we really want your take on it. I bet we'll get some good answers here. So first of all, you have worked with many financial advisors over the years. So it's 40 years now, right? 30. I know, I was just kidding. All right, Not yeah. that old, no, no. Rusty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what qualities or attributes do you think make a good financial advisor or wealth manager? Man, you're asking some good questions and there's so many things. Well, I'm going to start with the obvious one, the most important one, knowledge. As they say, knowledge is power. I think that's one of the most important qualities. And then the advisors need to have the capability, discipline, and skill to implement the knowledge and to diligently manage conflicts and to be reasonable and prudent. I also think advisors need to be compassionate listeners and to be empowered with strong relationship management talent. Because I'll tell you what, advisors are known to be counselors for all sorts of things beyond their core competencies in financial services. So Flexibility and the ability to adapt are also must-have qualities. So that's kind of a, a basket of various qualities, I think, are very core to a successful financial advisor or wealth manager. I agree. Good answer. All right. So since you've been around so many financial advisors for like 50 years or so now, and brought a lot of financial advice in it. <laughs> We're getting older and older by the minute on this podcast. <laughs> So since you've been around with so many high quality advisors, though, how has that experience impacted how you invest personally for you and your family? Oh, me, oh, my, Rusty. You had to go there, huh? <laughs> yep. Well, I'm 100% invested in crypto. No, I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. Totally kidding. Yep. Well, you know, on the next Skip and Chip Excellent Adventure, you'll need to cross-examine Diego Dante. We haven't even talked about that yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can't forget that. Yep. We got to get that in the podcast. Yep. But uh, on our next excellent adventure, you'll have to cross-examine Diego and Dante and the map, which is known for the Mexican-American princess, a.k.a. Connie, my domestic parole officer, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> I always love having fun with her. She's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you said that. But uh, seriously, you know, I always joke around. But to get to your question, yep. you know. I'm a frugal and skeptical optimist, especially due to my regulatory days of seeing all the horror stories in our industry, you know, by those bad actors, right? But, you know, I over-educate to explain what's behind the scenes, which drives my family crazy. But for all the good reasons, I'll give you an example. You know, way back in the day when Diego and Dante, those are my two little boys, which are now 20 and 22, so they're not so little anymore. But when they were little and they were in elementary school, I actually opened them these kid accounts. I do that in air quotes, kid accounts that ING Direct had. It was way back in the day. I don't know if you remember ING Bank. 
They now uh, are known as Capital One. But at any rate, they had their own debit cards and they were depositing checks on their mobile phones in fifth grade, fifth, you know, like fifth, sixth grade. I always used to tell the family for birthdays and holidays and special occasions to not give them cash, you know, write them checks. So they got used to endorsing checks, depositing them on their mobile phones and getting used to the difference between a checking account, a savings account and an investment account. So as I said, it was a bit over the top and I always showed them what was in their 529 accounts and their utmas as I was, you know, you know, reasonably and prudently and responsibly as a parent saving money for them for the future, which they now manage on their own as adults. I guess part of your question, the personal investing theme has been live within your means, save as much as you can, as often as you can. Dollar cost averaging is your friend. No day trading. Don't listen to your friends or the crazy media market headlines. Asset allocation is your friend. Uh, Stay invested is your friend. The basics Do nothing crazy or high maintenance. Keep it nice and steady. And to remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Nicely said. Right. All right. Well, I also want to talk to you about the people who have influenced you in your career. Like so many of us, you've been around a lot of successful people who have obviously helped you get to where you are today. So tell us who are some of the people that you are professionally thankful for? Wow. This is a good one, man. I love your questions. This is awesome. Okay. Buckle up. I got a few. (laughs) buckle up is the acronym for United Planners. So, you know, I'm always throwing that in there. I've always got these like little play on words, but anyways, uh, okay. I've never done this before. This is an awesome question. So we're going to go back in a very methodical way. So first I would uh, thank Janie Court, who was the chief investigator of enforcement for the Arizona Corporation Commission Securities Division way back in the day. She gave me the opportunity to join her team during college as an intern, as an investigator, for which I eventually became her successor. And while I was in that chief investigator role, I'll then thank Leroy Johnson, who was my boss man at that time. He was the director of enforcement. He was a CPA and an attorney, a very smart and brainiac kind of guy. He's now happily retired. And then I'll say, secondly, as we or I transitioned into the business at Sun America Securities, AIG Advisor Group back in the day, I would thank Jim Cannon, who at the time was president and CEO. He is still in the business, now founder and CEO of Dynamic Advisor Solutions, which I think is an Orion client, as well as Bridget Gahn, who at the time was chief general counsel over there at Sun America Securities and AIG. She's now, I believe, co-founder and chief risk officer at Clever Dome. And finally, most importantly, Tom Oliver, Dave Shindell, and Mike Baker for giving me the opportunity to grind and shine at United Planners. So that's kind of the core list of people that very professionally thankful for. Nice. All right. Well, maybe there's some overlap here, maybe not, but tell us about some of the mentors you've had along the way and some of the key lessons that they've taught you. Yeah. You know what? Uh, Great question. And you're right. I'd say the folks I just mentioned are in the same category, but uh, we don't have enough time to go through all the lessons, (laughs) but I would like to share this. What I have found to be at the core of everything we should strive to be and do came about when Dave Shindell passed away in 2019. 
who was previously my boss man. He was president and CEO of United Planners at the time. He was a father figure, a dear friend. His uh, passing was a shocker to our firm, but he promoted the cowboy ethics. And we celebrate and uphold at United Planners in his memory, these cowboy ethics, which are as follows. I'm going to read them off here. Number one, live each day with courage. Take pride in your work. Always finish what you start. Do what has to be done. Be tough, but fair. When you make a promise, keep it. Ride for the brand. Talk less and say more. Remember that some things aren't for sale. And know where to draw the line. And of course, my bilio overlay to all this is enjoy the ride and have fun while getting it done. It's mm-hmm. good stuff. Yep. All right. Let's see here. So I was telling people here to Ryan that I uh, was interviewing you and I do have one question for you and I'm going to have to quote it verbatim because I think it was just a fun question and it is pound for pound. Billy is the most active guy I know. If you want to feel like a sloth, follow Billy O on social media when he is in do mode. So the question is, if there's a Billy O bucket list of excursions, no price limit, guaranteed safety, but feeling a little edgy, what are your top things you want to do next? Wowzers. Well, whoever said that quote, I'll be sure to pay them handsomely in cryptocurrency. <laughs> <laughs> and pound for pound, wow, that's kind of a touch to my homage being half Filipino. That's the uh, Manny Pacquiao, you know, pound for pound, right? <laughs> the toughest boxer out there. But uh, anyways, yeah, I love this. This is fun. We're talking bucket list action, right? So, okay, skydiving for sure which may happen this November. Nice. Shark diving in a cage, of course. I'm crazy, not stupid. Although I know there's a very thin line at times. Yeah. <laughs> Grand Canyon whitewater rafting, which is right here in my backyard. I can't believe I haven't even done that yet. Wow. And then in the spirit of the recent Top Gun show, I'd love to do a fighter jet experience and do some turning and burning. And Recently added to the bucket list after seeing the news headlines recently is catching like a coast to coast or international flight on the supersonic Concorde, which is coming back in 2019. So I got to start saving for that because I'm sure that's not cheap. And of course, I would say due to popular requests, write a book about my life because it has been quite a, a vida loca, as they say, and, and then do some stand up comedy, put my true comedic skills to the test. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. So another question, I bet you're going to have fun with this one too. We always have fun with this is we often ask our guests how they maintain their health and their wellness, both physical and mental to ensure they're performing at a high level and able to juggle all their professional and personal obligations. So since you've been in the industry for like 70 years and keeping active is key for you, how do you maintain your mental and physical wellness? Man, you know, this, this number that keeps increasing is just going to like, you know, throw. it's been a long podcast. <laughs> I know it's fun though. Time's flying by when you're having fun, but man, I'm gonna have to adjust my whole retirement plan here. My, uh... <laughs> but no, this is another great question. I mean, you know what? It is important to have this. What I'll emphasize is balance, the all important juggle, and you know, uh, woofda. This is gonna be a hard one because Connie would definitely say I'm a workaholic. And don't take enough time off work, but I can't argue with her. I am a 
professed, admittedly workaholic, but thematically, I am a work hard, play hard. So uh, I'm a work hard, play hard kind of guy. So when I'm not sitting behind the desk being a workaholic, I am out and about mountain biking. I will say an accomplished in air quotes, skip and chip, excellent adventure hiker, mm-hmm. along with any other adventurous thing to do to get the adrenaline going, racing exotic cars, mountaineering, rafting, one wheeling, shooting guns, zip lining, archery, gliders, boating, jumping through walls. That was when we were redoing the office at United Planners and we were remodeling the home office and they were blowing out walls. And I told Diego and Dante, I was like, dude, we got to go into the office and do the infamous jump through wall thing. So we (laughs) did some of that. That was fun. Backyard ballistics, which we've experienced during our Orion Fuse events with potato cannons and handheld rockets, Mm. which we almost took out Eric Clark one time, which was real (laughs) funny. It's a legendary story. It gets bigger and bigger every time we tell it. But uh, anyways, yeah, you know, and of course, we got to talk about the skip and chip Excellent adventure. We're, we're part of the wrecking crew, right, uh, yep. Rusty? And, yep. you know, we just conquered that monstrous 32 miler in Lake Tahoe, another long and brutal endurance challenge. And I will say once again, congratulations on your Spirit Award. Thank you. Uh, for helping out your wife, Marla, and your sister finish their endurance challenges in addition to your own. I mean, you know, these are the kinds of things that are nice breaks from the infamous death by chair dilemma that we all face as office jockeys. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that hike is a hoot and it's always fun hiking with you too, Billy. So I just want to point out my wife and sister are beasts. They didn't really need help from me. It's just that my sister is just so fit and she was just an animal. So she just had started at a different location. So that's how I helped her. And, And my wife, she actually only did 17 miles that day. She took a shorter route. So, but anyway, It was a great hike, a great crew as always. It's so much fun. And anyway, so thanks for that shout out. All right. So this would be yet another great question and answer. And we ask it of all our guests, but do you have any content recommendations for listeners? This includes books, newsletters, podcasts, videos, whatever you want to recommend. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, as I've mentioned, I like to think I'm a self-proclaimed comedian here. And, you know, I think I'm a funny guy, but kind of gets tired of me. But then I tell her it's because you, you know, live with the uh, comedy, honey. I mean, it's every day, all day. It gets a little old. I understand it. But uh, we do push her to the limits at times. It just never ends around this house. So, you know, I'll break away from the usual suspects of reading books and listening to podcasts. I mean, I read enough at work, but I'm more of a listener and watcher of comedies, you know, the classics of like Austin Powers and Hangover and Old School, Neighbors, Modern Family, The Family Guy, Sims. I mean, the list goes on and on. I love the stand-up comics, you know, the Dave Chappelle's and Joe Rogan's and Bill Burr's, you know, a little edgy, but just really kind of looks at the world in a different kind of light and just to have some fun with it. I'm a fan of ridiculousness on MTV. I know that sounds really childish, but that's the childness inside of me. But, uh, you know, Rob Deerdeck, Stilo Brim, and Chanel West Coast. You got to say it like that or it just doesn't sound right. That's how all our guests say it, by the way, on the podcast. They pronounce <laughs> it just like that. 
<laughs> I'm sure they do. I'm, I'm sure that, that this comes up all the time, right? But you know what I'll tell you? It's really interesting. The, the Ridiculousness Show was one of my parental teaching tools for the kids because I had two boys that were really rambunctious. I don't know why. Maybe maybe I had something to do with that. But you know, I always used it as an entertainment way just to show the boys of what not to do and to be the camera guy and not the guy that says, hey, watch this. <laughs> so... You know, I'd like to think it worked because, as you know, Diego's quite the accomplished camera video guy. And, you know, I'm all about having fun while getting it done, as I like to say, and uh, laughing along the way. And so it's a crazy world and you got to enjoy the ride. And so I I like taking a break from the the madness and just having a good laugh and and looking at things in different ways, different perspectives. I like it. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, Billy, it has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Tell us, how can listeners stay in touch and learn more about what you're doing at United Planners? Oh, well, wasn't ready for that question. (laughs) (laughs) Follow me on social media. No, I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. (laughs) I I do the social media thing just purely for the family and friends and just kind of, you know, sticks with you. But I would say to answer your question, you can look me up at unitedplanners.com. And on LinkedIn, I'm there on the infamous LinkedIn social network, but definitely unitedplanners.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Billy, thanks. I actually have one more question. I was just thinking about this. I sort of connected the dots where I have two different Arizona State alumni here. I know one of our listeners, probably, hopefully many listeners, but I know one of our listeners is an ASU grad. What do ASU grads say to each other when you walk by? Like, let's say you're at a football game or I don't know. What do you say? Forks up, baby. Forks up. All right. Forks up. Well, I'll say forks up, Graham, then. So I got a chance to say that. Billy, any closing words? This has been a fun interview. Yeah, it has been. Well, I'll go with buckle up, enjoy the ride, stay strong, and keep your chin up. Nice. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this week. Hey, Rusty, take us out with your final words. Invest well and be well. We'll be back soon. Thanks for listening to The Weighing Machine. And thank you for your time and trust in Orion Advisor Solutions. The Weighing Machine is hosted by Rusty Vanneman, Chief Investment Strategist at Orion Advisor Solutions, and me, Robin Murray, freelance writer and editor. If you have feedback or questions about our podcast today, please send us a note at rusty at orion.com. All opinions expressed by Rusty Vanneman and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and don't reflect the opinion of or endorsement by Orion, its affiliate subsidiaries, and its employees. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for legal, tax, and investment decisions. The opinions are based upon information that participants consider reliable.